on this week's program, just how much ground can Sonic cover at the box office? The most popular first-person shooter you've never heard of. And it's our February TV update. All this and more as love is in the air. As we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, the Lakers Fast Break Podcast, and Game Source. Thank you so much for listening to all of our great shows. And here's hoping everyone out there has a fantastic Valentine's Day weekend. All you lovers out there, hope you have a good one indeed. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. He's our own Dr. Robotnik of Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. His awesome book for all you lovers out there. It's a great Valentine's Day gift. Congratulations, you suck. And also his show, Topicocalypse. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? Hey, 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 you know, just trying to uh, keep these pesky forest animals inside this little uh, robotic tank that I built while I swing a ball around at Sonic. There you go. There you go. Love is in the air. For Sonic, I guess there's going to be a lot of love in the air because, you know, what better way to say I love you than going to the theaters and watching Sonic the Hedgehog? Did I actually say that? You know, if you are a couple that is going to see Sonic the Hedgehog on valentine's day i i am really excited for your future because it's going to be a future filled with video games i feel like <laughs> take it from the man who's going to the barcade indeed so, <laughs> i'll tell you what we are going to be talking about sonic the hedgehog and all the movies coming to the theaters this weekend here in a sec plus also as well later on in the program we're going to be talking about dreams not your dreams Thank goodness, I don't want to watch about your dreams, Josh. But we're going to be talking about dreams for the PlayStation 4 that's coming out this weekend. So it's a great new game coming. So if you want to go ahead and check out a good game, we're going to be talking about that on the back end. But we're also going to be talking about the timing of the game itself and if the game should have come out this late into the PlayStation 4 cycle or should have waited for the PlayStation 5. Plus also as well, we're going to be talking about later in the program the most popular first-person shooter in the world you probably never heard of. We're going to let you know what that is coming up in the latter part of the show as well because there's been some movie rights given for that first-person shooter from Sony, and we'll talk about that coming up as well. Plus, Jessica Boggs from the TVRatingsGuide.com. She's stopping by once again for a February TV update, and that's coming up a little bit later in the show as well. But first up, my friend, it is another good weekend at the box office. A lot of variants, a lot of new things that are coming out for the lovers out there. 
But not only is it Valentine's Day weekend, people heading to the movies and all that, but there is an extra day with the Presence Day weekend. So basically for a lot of people out there, it's going to be a four-day weekend. Obviously, it all starts with the, well, the biggest return for the box office, and that is going to be, I can't believe I'm saying this, Sonic the Hedgehog this weekend. Sonic the Hedgehog is supposed to do right around $50 million this weekend at the box office. Some people think it might actually even be higher. This comes off the heels, well, actually, this comes off of what was a trailer that you and I both saw early on that caused a huge amount of controversy. They had to redo all the graphics on Sonic. Everybody hated the teeth and looked frightening, terrifying. But they're actually taking a lot of the right steps that cats didn't. So I ask you, my friend, with Sonic the Hedgehog, where did they go right there where cats and also birds of prey is going wrong? They didn't leave Sonic's hands without CG on them. I think that's what's going on, you know, if I had to make an assumption. We have talked about this. I thought Sonic would do okay. I mean, I said I hope they would do okay after all, like the the fans came together, you know, fans came together and said, we don't like the face. We don't like the way the Sonic looks. So they go through all this trouble to, you know, redo the way Sonic looks. And the, the animation suit that did him went out of business. But that in itself was free marketing. You know, that whole, that petitions went all over the internet. This was in national headlines as it was, it was everywhere. And then, uh, you know, Birds of Prey, I didn't even know had, had come out until the day it had come out. So, I mean, Sonic has already gotten off to a great start and it's, you know, their, the marketing campaign they got was free. So technically making a Sonic that people weren't happy with kind of worked in their favor. Obviously, they've done something right with that movie. It's just outside of what obviously they did with the CGI and to transform Sonic into something more pleasing to the eye. And obviously, they've taken a lot of correct steps in that. And it's just weird to see that a Sonic the Hedgehog movie on a Valentine's Day slash President's Day weekend taking the top spot ahead of something that you and I thought with Birds of Prey leading into it thought would do a lot better than it did. I mean, you didn't think it was going to be as, as good or well done as I did as far as the box office returns are, are concerned, but I did not think Birds of Prey would be doing as bad as it did, necessitating even a name change earlier this week at some sites and the way it's structured at, at movie theaters. So I ask you this, my friend, with Sonic the Hedgehog, now comes to the point where the conversation continues in regards to the video game adaptations. And this very well, with a good start, have an outside chance of becoming the biggest video game adaptation of all time. Is that something you could predict or is that something you think that's still not going to happen? I think that it is something that could happen. I mean, I'd, it would be cool if it did happen. I would love to see, you know, more of the Sonic world opened up. I do want to see Sonic. Like, don't get me wrong. I do want to see it. But I would love to to see it do well and maybe create something that would introduce other characters like Knuckles and uh even like Shadow of the Hedgehog was like a, a loved and hated game, but it had a very cool world to it. So I'd love to see those properties do well. So I do, I would like to go see Sonic. There's a Mortal Kombat movie coming out too that I hear is, you know, has the potential to be pretty good. So what about know. even the Uncharted movie coming even, out next year? You never know. I think that we're getting into the this this territory where video game movies are actually going to start being good so I, I feel like sonic's just a tip of the iceberg and if sonic does well we're going to start seeing more and more properties come out and i would be really hopeful for a streets of rage movie that'd be really cool 
Well, hold on. Before you say that, at the end of the show, we are going to talk about a movie that's going to be in development by Sony of a first-person shooter. You may reevaluate or rethink that process later on in the program when it comes to you know video game adaptations all being good and whatnot coming up later in the program. But we'll talk about that here in a bit. But for right now, it is Sonic the Hedgehog is going to do probably around 50, maybe even 60 million when the four-day weekend is done. So looks like a good weekend for Sonic. And you never know, with enough legs, pardon the pun there, it could actually get to a point where it could be the biggest selling video game adaptation for a movie of all time. So that's something that's within reach. Who knows? I mean, the Metacritic score is, is not great, 47, but the video game sites that I have seen have scored it stronger than some of the non-video game sites, so that may be of interest to people out there. I mean, a lot of people there are already actually they're seeing it. They're saying decent word of mouth on it, so you never know what's going to happen. Jim Carrey's hamming it up. It's, it's, you know, only he could. I mean, he's reverting back to his 90s form. So it could be something that a lot of people are interested in seeing this weekend as Sonic the Hedgehog hits theaters. Birds of Prey, still going to be number two, still going to be in there, but it is probably going to take a 50% hit. So we will not be able to go ahead and, and reach the heights, I think, that I think a lot of people were hoping for when it comes to this DC movie. Fantasy Island, which we have talked about before, now has been transformed into a horror movie and something that i think a lot of people from that generation that watched it on abc so many years ago are just going to say okay i cannot believe they did this to my fantasy island but your thoughts on fantasy island one more time becoming a horror movie do you think it was a slick move i mean it's not exactly the most expensive movie to make and you know what if it makes money it makes money in the long run right yeah i mean that's what hollywood is though it's a bunch of rehashed ideas and re tooled idea so to speak so will, will fantasy island make any money yeah i'm sure somebody there's an audience out there for everything but will it be enough to really you know merit that hope that every studio has that this could be the next big franchise you know probably not it's i don't think it's going to go there i don't think it's going to go there either but you know what it, it shouldn't take too much to make at least this money back if not do a little better than that so here's hoping michael pena who's all over the place right now, not running around with Ant-Man in Fantasy Island playing Mr. Rourke, will do a good enough job to go ahead and warrant some type of future consideration for a sequel down the road with Fantasy Island. For those that are interested in a movie actually of the romantic variety, there is the photograph that is coming out this weekend for Valentine's Day couples out there. So hopefully if you're in the mood for a romantic movie, the Photograph will hopefully fit that bill. It's not expected to do great, right around $10 million this weekend. So people can go ahead and catch that in the theaters this weekend if they're in the mood with their loved one. And then last but not least is a Will Ferrell, Julia Dreyfus movie, which is kind of interesting to see that this Searchlight movie, you can't say Fox anymore, this Searchlight movie, Downhill, I mean, the advertisement has been out there. It's not something that hasn't, been seen it's something the ads have been rolling out there i've seen them on numerous occasions they haven't done too much promo work for it but you have those two somewhat top tiered comedians that have done work over the course of many years with some great hits this movie is not expected to do well at all in fact earning under five million dollars for the entire weekend your thoughts on downhill 
And this story, how it plays out, doesn't seem like it's a good fit for this Valentine's Day weekend. No. Okay. So I've been watching Letterkenny on Hulu and that every trailer they play in the middle of that show is for this movie. And it doesn't look funny. It doesn't look good. It looks depressing. It looks, I don't know what, what the word I'm looking for is. It just is does not look like something that's appetizing to me. Maybe there's an audience for it out there. I'm, I'm sure there is. It's, it's, it feels like a red box movie to me. That's what I'm trying to say. It looks like something that, when Will Ferrell and Julia Dreyfus got together as far as, hey, do you want to go ahead and do a film together? Well, sure, why not? It doesn't look like it's something that either one is going to be banking on their resume anytime soon. It's just going to be something that by the end of the year, people are going to forget very quickly. And that's going to be very sad for those who wanted to see Searchlight, because again, you can't say Fox Searchlight. Searchlight have some type of hit that could go ahead, at least boost the brand and make it more appealing in the eyes of Disney. So those are the four movies that are coming out this weekend. What are your thoughts out there? Are you heading to the theaters with your loved one? Let us know which movie you're seeing. And if you enjoyed it or your loved one didn't rage after it for going to see it, share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, before we head to the break and Jessica Boggs right after it with the tvratingsguide.com with her February TV update. Just want to ask you real quick, my friend, the reunion tours coming out for Rage Against the Machine and My Chemical Romance. This is something that when we talked about My Chemical Romance doing that one-off, one gig at the Shrine Auditorium, if memory serves, I was thinking that maybe they would go ahead and get the itch to go and maybe, you know, get that chunk of change, as we always say here on the show. They get that itch to get back together to play a tour. Looks like they got that itch. And along with Rage Against the Machine, both are heading out into the wild once again, looking for that chunk of change out on tour. My question to you is, is this the right thing for both of these bands? It depends. Are, are they going to make new music or is this just a tour? You know, with My Chemical Romance, there's all these whispers that they're going to be putting out a new album here soon. And like, I wouldn't mind hearing a new album, but I look at, you know, Gerard Way, I look at his schedule on top of you know, My Chemical Romance stuff, like he's writing comic books, he's doing the Umbrella Academy season two for Netflix, like that's his life. He doesn't have the time to just do music anymore. And as much as I love My Chemical Romance, you, you know why they quit, right? Is because they became too big. Like uh, all the members in the band got burnt out because what they were doing became unsustainable for them. And they just decided they didn't, they couldn't do it anymore. So is is this going to turn into that again and yes they're going to make a whole lot of money off of this reunion tour but did any of them really need it no but let's hope that it leads to something constructive so yeah that's where i stand on that i, I like my chemical romance and i hope they do make new music as for rage against the machine they always have these comeback tours and then they don't do anything with it like i know zach de la rocha after renegades he spent some time like talking about how his solo album's going to come out and then he did one day as a lion and then uh, they did their reunion tour on uh, Coachella that one year. And yeah, this is a great time for them to come back. But what are they going to do with it? Is this going to be just another thing where they play four or five shows and then they disappear again? Are they going to do mu new music? If they did, like this would be a great time for it, right? Because we're in a state of high political unrest in our country. And there's a lot of things that they could write about. So I'm feeling like the, the times are pointing towards a new Rage Against the Machine album. But... 
do any of these guys still have it in them to to live that lifestyle again? I guess like that's the big question here because you know a rage concert. If you ever seen the footage on YouTube, it gets pretty crazy. So instead of killing in the name of, it's riding in the minivan in the name of. Right, right. They're gonna have to like drop their kids off at the babysitters on the way to the concert. There you go. <laughs> well, what do you think out there about the reunion tours for both? My Chemical Romance, and Rage Against the Machine. We'd love to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, it's Jessica Boggs with her February TV update. And then afterwards, on the back end of the show, Josh and I are going to be talking about some dreams, a first-person shooter, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and the Mighty Ducks on the back end of the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. For the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and we're back on the air once again with our February TV update. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here on the Pop Culture Cosmos, and she's back. We wouldn't have a TV update without her. You know her as the lead writer for the TVRatingsGuide.com. You also know her for great work on Jessica's show, which you can find back episodes today on Anchor and anything else that she's doing in the world of television, her reviews, updates, and so much more as part of the whole collective at the TVRatingsGuide.com. It is my good friend. It is Miss Jessica Boggs. And Jessica, February, which you think would be kind of a slow month in television, there are actually no slow months in television. Well, the Oscars was a big thing in television. For more like a negative reason, since it hit a new viewership low. So the Oscars was down nearly 20% compared to the other award shows. It scored a 5.3 in the key demo. Not too bad, but the viewership sank to a new low of 23.6 million viewers. Yeah, that's that's so harsh, you know. I know a lot of other shows that would like 23 and a half million viewers. So, I mean, I understand that a lot of people are liking the fact that the Oscars, the, the viewership is down and whatnot, but relatively speaking, and think of it like in terms of the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl has, you know, so many viewers. And if it goes down, let's say five, 10% or whatnot, you're still talking about one of the, the largest viewing entities of the entire year. And same thing with the Oscars as well. I mean, not many things that are put out on broadcast television these days garner even close to what the Super Bowl and also the Oscars are doing. Well, considering that, you have currently the projective league average is going to be likely ending at around a 0.7 across the big four. And there are many excuses that say there was no host. That's really not an excuse for that, as there was no host last year, and it did not really hit a viewership low. People always talk about the political side of it or anything of that nature. I think it's just the point where people are getting tired of sitting for three, four hours and and watching it. I think just people are wanting other things to do, and with so many different outlets and streaming services, and frankly, just something else to do on Sunday nights. 
I mean, that's to me why broadcast television as a whole is, you know, going down in viewership, not just with the Oscars, but everything else. Yeah, that's what I'm that's what I'm getting at for the most part. I mean, it's not necessarily a flop in today's landscape. It's still a hit. Exactly. I mean, next year when the Oscars, you know, goes to ABC and and still goes to advertisers and whatnot, they're still going to get big money for it because how many things on television as a whole still garner anywhere near that type of viewership or that type of rating? I mean, it's just something that I think a lot of people have to put in perspective. I think I it's similar to like American Idol too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, you know, you got to look at the viewers. I look at the viewers. Yeah. The ratings, you know, when we talk about uh, whether it's a 0 0.4 or 0 0.2, or in this case, 5.3, uh, you know, and as far as in the correct demos and all that, that's still great. But it's also what are they getting, uh, you know, for the entire landscape? How many eyeballs are actually watching the program? And like, again, like I said, there's not many things that in life to these days in the way we actually view anything on television, whether it's streaming, broadcast, cable, what have you, that could even garner close to those ratings. And so we're moving on to ABC as far as who was on the fence. Oh, don't it, tell me. Don't tell me. The stump of town. My, my stump town. Well, there's a. Who is on the fence? So many comedies right now are on the bubble. While I think ultimately that Blackish will get the, according to Jim, renewal treatment, the deal may not be enough to save its spinoff, but only time will tell. We know the Good Doctor will be back. And if Good Doctor comes back, then Station 19 is definitely coming back. At those ratings, they're higher than both Stumptown and Emergence combined. Oh, my gosh. And I know you're going to head into it right now. So we're talking about shows right now on the fence at ABC because there's it's that time of the year. and We have to start looking at television shows that are on the fence for getting the axe or getting renewed or whatnot. And, okay, lay it on me there, problem Jessica. Is, and I think the problem is it's like, one thing that I think may get the access Stumptown. It's now the lowest rated drama literally on ABC since Emergence finished its season. I know with Stumptown, you and I spoke before about the plus threes and the reason why, you know, it was still well thought of is because the plus threes were so high up. It was so high up on the plus threes for ABC as a whole for any programming. Is that still the case or is that something that maybe ABC could look at and say, hey, we don't have enough viewers for Stumptown maybe watching it, you know, that night it airs, but there's certainly a lot of people still watching it within the first three days of its after it's aired. I'm slowly doubting that it would be the case, but at this I, point, it looks like the linear ratings uh, may not fully justify keeping it on a Wednesday night slot if it gets renewed. Okay, fair enough. It'll probably be... But if that's the case, renewed for a second season, put into an even worse time slot, maybe like a Sunday night or whatnot, that are just going to be putting it to doom. So it's not good news for Stumptown fans like myself, which thinks the show is, is pretty good. Maybe there'll be some type of turnaround for that show. Currently also watching For Life as it just premiered to like a 0.7 on a Tuesday night. 
and actually grew from blackish, surprisingly, but I'm not really sure if it's going to sustain that ratings level. I mean, all the comedies are borderline or low rated. That's not good for ABC. I mean, they've got to go ahead and find a collective that they can go ahead and count on for getting new and garnering new ratings and a new influx of people watching their programming. So that's not a good sign for ABC. But what do you have out there on the CBS front? Because CBS, as we talked about in our previous month's conversation, was doing a lot better, uh, was leading the way right now as far as overall the landscape and broadcast television once again. So what do you have on the queue right now for CBS and things that are maybe on the fence or any news when it comes to the folks at CBS? There's really not much I can say or attest to as far as who was on the fence per se, but we do know that Thursday as a whole minus young Sheldon and maybe mom is somewhat troublesome. Tommy premiered with a 0.4, which is pretty low ratings, and it's currently even lower than what All Rise and the already renewed Evil have averaged. And in the spring, that might be getting the axe. Currently, the Unicorn and Carol's Second Act, the, the 30 comedies on Thursday, are borderline, and they are on the fence at least one show is going to be canceled at the end of the the season in May. And of course, Bob Hart's Abishola is still performing fine on a Monday. How's that uh, going along with Friday's numbers? Uh, you know, I know there's some shows there with, with MacGyver and Magnum PI and and Hawaii Five-0 as far as those numbers. What are those shows doing? I know Magnum PI was kind of in flux earlier than when we've talked about it before in the past. MacGyver last week posted strong numbers for Friday, a 0.7 in today's landscape. Magnum PI, which was noticeably looking better in the past few weeks before the hiatus, was benched for Mac. And then I was wondering, how is MacGyver going to burn through all 22 episodes of its episode order on Fridays? Since it just got a back nine, assuming for writer strike purposes that it'll air the next nine episodes, like next season, even though it's still considered season four, I suspect if Tommy continues to pull really low ratings, I suspect that Magnum or the Amazing Race will return. There you go. There you go once again, indeed. And before we head over to Fox, I have one important question to talk to you again about CBS, and that is CSI. Do, 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 do. Who are you? Who, 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 who. That has been talked about this week as officially getting renewal. And I'm not going to say I'm surprised because this was two times the most watched television show in the world during the course of its run. And I think it just needed time some, to burn off. And this is something where you and I have seen where all these shows are getting rebooted and things of that nature. CSI seemed to be a natural. So I'm not exactly surprised that it is now being greenlit to go ahead and get a reboot of some type of nature. I mean, they're already in the writing process. So it's the very beginning of it. But your thoughts on a CSI reboot? CBS has the first call as far as whether or not they want to go ahead and air it, which I'm pretty sure they would probably want to. 
So I want to hear your thoughts on a CSI reboot per se. I know that some of the actors like William Peterson would be involved. Well, I did write a do not resuscitate article on CSI. And no, 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 no. You do resuscitate CSI. Bring that patient back to life. My goodness. I mean, I feel like honestly, it might not do as well as it could in today's landscape, especially since there is an oversaturation of police procedural dramas on CBS. Why do we need another one? Well, I wouldn't say CBS per se, because you're right. I mean, in fact, I was joking with my wife yesterday. I was saying, oh, so which one are you watching today? NCIS, NCIS Los Angeles, FBI, FBI the most wanted. I was running off the list of major armed forces there, the shows that are related to it. I and get SEAL that. Team. I, it's, you know, of course, SEAL Team, our favorite. Well, not my favorite, but I was joking when I said that, if you heard one of our past episodes. But I want to say this when it comes to CSI. There's also something you have to consider, which, again, you might not have put in that article of yours that's now available on the TVRatingsGuide.com as far as do not resuscitate. I would resuscitate it because of the fact also as well, if you don't put it on CBS, I'm not saying CBS All Access, but you got to remember as well, the news came out last week that Viacom is now considering making a mega streaming channel with all of its entities together and making it beyond what CBS All Access is doing. So let's say CBS All Access folds into what are the other Viacom holder properties. I think Nickelodeon and some others, you know, all the MTV, all that stuff, all that together into one major property. And if that's the case, headed off by, by a CSI show, per se, on that streaming outlet could be a nice getter for them and a nice way to kick things off. I think it could be, but I'm not really 100% sure on that because, I mean... It's probably not going to have like all of the original cast back. All you need is two or three. I think that would be fine. CSI coming back, something I would like to see. We want to hear your thoughts, yes or no, on a new CSI. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com or also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity, media, and game source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. Well, Jessica, we now return to our previously scheduled programming, and that was with Fox. You like that TV tie-in? Fox right now has got a lot to go on. It's doing very well with The Masked Singer once again, but I want to hear your thoughts with what's going on at Fox. Well, Lego Maskers apparently did better than Flirty Dancing. I, I'm i going to put my Legos together. That. I'm going to go ahead and become a master builder. I'm going to go ahead and do that right now. Go ahead while you're here. Well, with Fox, like overall, there's really not much you can say with who's getting the boot or who's getting the axe because of the limited real estate. I mean, I said before, Outmatched is only retaining okay after a down last man standing, like 0.5 out of a 0.7, but Fox only has limited real estate on comedies. That may get the axe. Deputy is definitely getting the axe, as I can tell. And then 
Almost Family got sent to Saturdays and will air its final episode on the 22nd of this month. Last month, it and Flirty Dancing were pulled from Wednesdays after both shows garnered catastrophically low ratings. And with three other dramas on the bench, it is unclear who was on the fence as of right now. But as we get into March or April, it will be more clear. Fox overall, I think, is doing pretty good. I think uh, they have, in the past couple of years, really formatted some change, and I think it's been for the better for the most part. I think always their outlook right now at this point in time is going up, and I'm, I'm happy to see with Fox there's a lot of good things that people want to turn towards to outside of The Simpsons, of course, and that's something I think a lot of people need to understand, and, and hopefully a lot of people are going over Fox for some good things. And I know people are always talking about who is that mass singer. So NBC is something out there that I think we haven't talked about too much lately. It's still very highly rated, not quite at the level of CBS yet. But then again, they've got the Olympics coming up in the distance. So obviously they're going to earn big ratings from that. I want to hear what they're doing now at NBC. NBC has two shows potentially getting the axe. That would be Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist after low preview ratings, as well as Friday show Lincoln Rhyme. Superstore, to no one's surprise, was renewed this past week. Yay! It's going to join Brooklyn Nine-Nine for next season. Yay! Indebted, Indebted, however, got low ratings too. So with spring comedies, it depends on whether they get renewed for like a second chance or move to Peacock, the streaming service. Exactly. What a name. All right. Always, always love that name. But Manifest is a show that came out to big hype originally. And I've told you before, uh, as soon as I watched the concept and watched the pilot episode for like 50 minutes, I just, I'm like, I can't get into this. And it looks like a lot of people are starting to jump off that plane, so to speak. So tell me what's going on with Manifest. Manifest in today's landscape is doing okay, but it's currently on the fence with its point sixes. I mean, well, not as low rated as the other two shows that I mentioned that were getting the axe, but point six is the limit that it should stay for renewal. Only time will tell. I'm telling you, it's uh, getting kind of dicey there, though, sounds like for Manifest and some of the other shows on NBC, but. Overall, I still think they have positive numbers, and I still think that, again, they're pointing toward the Olympics to go ahead and garner big ratings and boost their shows overall for the rest of the year. All right, Jessica, you cannot escape your monthly TV report without a look at your friends. I don't necessarily, not my friends, but your friends at the CW. The Crisis of Infinite Earths was a big hit for them overall. I want to say it's a, a great positive because people are still talking about it. There are entities out there like IGN, GameSpot, some other entities out there that are still talking about the residuals of that series. So I want to hear your thoughts on what's going on with CW now that the dust has settled on these television shows going forward. And not only necessarily the ones that are DC related, but also the ones that are on the network that are not. So I want to hear your thoughts on CW at this point in time. I think all those shows have gotten back to their normal ratings. I mean, it didn't really last long. I mean, after the Super Bowl, 
Batwoman hit a new low of a 0.1. That's crazy. From 0.5 or 0.6 all the way to a 0.1, and it still gets renewed. But then again, it was preempted, so it's going to go back up to like a 0.2 or 0.3 in the next couple weeks. Let's just hope it's a one-off. Let's just hope it's a one-off indeed. Before we hit to our monthly report on the wrestling scene, anything of note in cable that you want to talk about before we head on out? Uh, 68 Whiskey, I got to tell you. As soon as it premiered, it premiered okay, and now it's eh, not doing as well as it should be, I got to say. With cable, it's always fluctuating. Is there anything else on cable that is of note right at, at this point in time? Uh, freeform. It's always in freeform. Oh, my gosh. And in freeform. Well, every, every show is below. Almost every show was hitting below a point one in the rounded ratings. I... I just saw that Party of Five, the reboot, the latest episode got a 0.08 and 219,000 in total viewers. Let's just hope the non-linear ratings are better because Freeform as a whole is doing terrible. I'm telling you, this lasted much longer than I thought. I thought by now Disney would have pulled the plug already on Freeform. I'm very surprised it's still in existence. I mean, like you said, the ratings for their shows are minuscule. I mean, it's getting to the point where it's almost getting into, not like it can, but if any shows were getting into the negative rating, I'd start right there with that that network shows. I mean, getting to the point where the only people that are watching it are are named Nielsen. So it's getting to the point where it's that bad for those folks that freeform. But before we head on out, I want to ask- move it to Disney Plus. Yeah, Disney Plus, it, they'd be great on Disney Plus. They get a lot more exposure, all the freeform stuff going there. There must be some reason why it's still, I mean, when they talk about it in their share earnings, they don't talk about it very much as far as in the, with the shareholders and whatnot. But the advertising dollars can't be that great from a, a network like that move everything over to maybe FX or something, something different. Disney plus you may have had a great idea right there. It would obviously get a lot more exposure if that's the case, because Disney plus is starving for new content at this point in time. Now that the newness and, and new car smell has worn off on Disney plus there's a definite need as Josh and I have talked about on our show recently, that it is in dire need of programming and the freeform programming would fit right in. So that's something I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that Disney hasn't executed as, as of yet. But you know what? There's still time, and hopefully they'll go ahead and make the right decisions when it comes to Freeform and Disney Plus down the road. But before we head on out, ding, 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 that bell is sounded. It is time once again for your monthly report and catch up on the wrestling scene when it comes to the continuous battle on Wednesday nights with AEW and NXT. AEW is averaging just under a million viewers, so it has the distinctive hand right now against NXT. But I want to hear your thoughts on what's going on with the whole wrestling scene right now in the ratings. The ratings just came out, and as you can see, NXT has gone up to 0.24, while AEW right now is cooled down to a 0.3. In the viewership, it looks like 
NXT is nipping at its heels within 60,000 of AEW. And I know the demo is a key as far as one having a better demo uh, within the 18 to 49 demo, while the other skews to an older market. But yeah, NXT is garnering to like an older market, whereas AEW may have been doing better at a younger market at first, but now it looks like it's skewed somewhat older or fairly younger than than NXT was doing. For the long term, that Wednesday battle still continues. But again, it's going to be stable for some time because TNT has renewed AEW for at least the next two years. So there's good news there for fans because the quality of television for wrestling will continue to go up if that's the case. I want to hear your thoughts, though, before we head on out on Monday Night Raw and also SmackDown, how they're doing. I know there was a recent debut of an NXT superstar on Raw that has caused quite a stir and possibly an uptick in the ratings. Oh, yes. The debut of Shayna Baszler, a former NXT women's champion, debuted on... as good as Asuka. Asuka's my favorite. Sorry. Debuted on raw this week and wwe is apparently setting up for a feud with current raw women's champion becky lynch and that got a rating surge and if that's the case she's going to get the major push and the major fight with becky lynch sorry asuka you just have to stick to the tag team titles for you right now with Kyrie saying i'm sorry and then I will tell you this. It looks like the two are going to have a matchup at WrestleMania. Where it lies on the card is still yet to be seen, but that's a good sign if there's a rating surge. Where is an interest in Shayna Baszler? They brought her along slowly, you know, as the champion for many, many months in NXT. And they, they're doing the same thing with her that they did with Asuka. I mean, Asuka held the title for an extended period of time at the NXT and then they brought her up and and initially there was a burst of fans interested into it they didn't exactly end up pushing her in the right way ultimately there could have been a situation where you had her undefeated going into a wrestlemania with ronda rousey and didn't quite execute on that i thought that was very bad on their part do you see the same thing happening with Shayna baszler and giving her that type of long-term push that will keep fans tuning in Or do you see them messing it up like they have with so many individuals from the past? I think, honestly, it's it's too soon to tell. But I feel like after WrestleMania, this is going to end up badly after that. I think you sound like most pro wrestling fans out there. huh? Yeah, and then. I wonder why they've lost so many viewers, millions of viewers over the past five years. Hmm? People you wouldn't, you know, how could you imagine? And, but at least SmackDown right now is stable at the moment. But it's good news. There's not as much action going on with SmackDown at the moment. Yeah, I know. They're, they're also got to be gearing up after their uh, major card next in Saudi Arabia. They're going to have to go ahead and put into overdrive the drive towards WrestleMania. I'm, I'm assuming The Fiend uh, is going to go ahead and continue his reign after Saudi Arabia and is going to be ending up as one of the top matches on the card at WrestleMania. So it's just a, trying to find a challenger that intrigues people enough 
to go ahead and say, hey, I want to watch WrestleMania for it. So we'll have to wait and see where that is. And plus also as well, the recent numbers that was reported by the WWE, the numbers going down across the board, which isn't a good sign for them. Their stock went down dramatically over the course of the past week. And they're talked about revamping the network. So those individuals that were paying $9.99 a month, watching and getting and getting everything all the entire library and the and also the the major pay-per-views for that price may be in line for unfortunately something different so i see something dramatically happening on that front that could be a bad sign for them continuously if that's the case and because that almost one and a half million viewers that the network has is going to be something that they might be might be coming different if they go ahead and change around their actual platform for the wwe network but we'll wait and see but that's good signs that at least SmackDown is stable. That means that if they go ahead and have a nice drive towards WrestleMania come March, that they'll go ahead and boost those ratings. And hopefully they'll go ahead over the course of summer and continue some good things down the road. Yeah, that's at around like 2 million. Raw is almost at 3 million. That's a good sign. That's a good sign. For them, absolutely. At this point in time, anything close to 3 million is definitely a good sign indeed. Once again, it's my good friend, Jessica Boggs. You got to check out what she's doing today at the TVRatingsGuide.com. So I ask you before we head on out, my friend, your show is on hiatus right now as far as Jessica's show. That's going to come back in the future. But what do you have going on right now at the TVRatingsGuide.com? Tonight's episode of Writer's Block is in the pipeline. And we also have regular episodes of Network as well as other TVRGO shows like Marietta, Our House, uh, Bake Your Heart Out, all the TVRGO programming from Numb Humor Studios, all of these uh, original programming that you'll get to read the scripts on TVRadiesGuide.com. Plus, we are working on some TVRGO site originals, but we also have some Renew Cancel updates And we also are working on the historical ratings and a snapshot of each show. Currently, we are working on the snapshots for mom as far as like the ratings and the plot points and everything else. Once again, that's the TVRatingsGuide.com. You can check out all the things that are going on today, including an update on Stumptown, which I hope will turn for the better, hopefully sometime soon. I'm hoping, I'm hoping and all the other great shows that are on the fence and everything else you can go ahead and check out, including why she does not want CSI resuscitated and she wants it to stay dead, which I disagree with, but you can check it out today at the TV ratings guide. That was literally written like two years ago. Well, I, I tell you what, you can still find it there. Just type it up in the search right there at the TV ratings I disagree with you on that, but again, I want to hear everyone's thoughts out there the tvratingsguide.com you go ahead and share your comments there or also right here at the pop culture cosmos well my friend it's been great having you on cannot wait for your update in march any last thoughts on the way out let's hope any more shows that are on the fence hopefully we have some obvious renewals let's save the obvious cancellations for may there you go let's save it for may indeed once again, it's my good friend, Jessica Boggs. You got to check out what she's doing today at the TVRatingsGuide.com. 
Okay, Jess, great having you on the show once again. I cannot thank you enough for stopping by right here on The Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. Well, thanks again to Jessica Boggs for being on the program today to give us her February TV update. Before we head on out, my friend, want to go ahead and talk to you a little bit about Dreams because Dreams is a long in-development game from Media Molecule the folks that were behind Little Big Planet. It is out this weekend for the PlayStation 4. It gives you like this empty canvas, and it's just up to you to go ahead and develop any type of scenario, game, what have you, within the limits of whatever they can do on the PS4. So I ask you, my friend, this is truly a great concept, but would it have been better suited this late in the generation to be on PlayStation 5, or at least start on PlayStation 5 and be simultaneously put on the PlayStation 4 as well. I don't know. I was talking to uh, Brian Wegner about this earlier today, and he made a good point. Like, it, this feels, the this current batch of games coming out in the early part of the year, it feels very slow, and it feels very uneventful. Like, you know, we have Darksiders Genesis coming out, and that's, like, the biggest game until late April. So it's, like, a lot of this stuff's not getting the marketing it deserves. It soft-launched months ago, like, you know, back in 2019 or 2018 even. Like, people have been playing this game for at least two years now, and now it's finally being put on shelves for worldwide release. But is it worth the money? I don't I don't think so. Like, I'm not really one big into, like, the builder games, but from what I understand, like, you can do a lot of cool things in it, but it's not something that is going to be worth you uh, stopping whatever else you're playing to get into. Well, I think it's just something that probably would have been a great launch title for the PlayStation 5, and then you could also make a version for the PlayStation 4 since the PlayStation 5 is most likely going to be, well, I think it's been confirmed that it's going to be backwards compatible. So I thought it would probably be best suited for something like that because it is so late in the cycle. Same thing goes with The Last of Us Part Two and, and some other games that are coming out. Yes, I understand that there'll probably be a PlayStation 5 version of many of these options, or they'll be promoted as such when the PlayStation 5 comes out. But it, that stigma that you have or that presence you have as a launch title probably would have been better suited for these games, especially the ones made by Sony, to be on, like I said, later on in the year as a quote-unquote launch title for the PlayStation 5. What are your thoughts out there on Dreams for the PlayStation 4? Are you excited to get your hands on it? Or could you have waited for it to come out later this year? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. We wanted to talk a little bit before we head on out about the most popular first-person shooter getting a film adaptation, since film adaptations for video games seem to be all the rage these days with Sonic the Hedgehog and some of the others that we talked about at the beginning of the program. But Crossfire is the name of this game. And I'm sure a lot of people out there are saying, what is Crossfire? Well, Crossfire is a game that came out in the 
well, not last decade, the decade before it, I think 2008, 2007, 2008 area. And the graphics on it, if you check out the game on YouTube, they won't impress you. Fortunately for people out there in the you know areas that it covers mainly in the Asian markets where it is immensely popular. And at this time, I think up to they've said up to 6 million people play it concurrently, which is an absolute huge number. And they've made a ton of money in microtransactions. So obviously, Sony jumping all over this as a film adaptation is something that they wanted to do. Xbox is bringing an updated version called Crossfire X to the Xbox One. How long have you been playing video games? A very long time. Did you know and were you aware of Crossfire in all your travels? Just the uh, the little game where you threw the marbles down into the bowl uh, that they had in the nineties. Remember what I'm talking about? Crossfire. No. I, so that, in other words, no, you you didn't. You weren't aware <laughs> of it. No. It's something that's more popular as a first-person shooter than Apex Legends or Call of Duty or any other first-person shooter for that matter. So it is something that while we snicker and chuckle here in the United States and also in North America and possibly even Europe as well, it is immensely popular in Asia. And that's something not to be taken lightly. So Crossfire being adapted into a movie, we'll see how well that works out and if it translates well into this neck of the woods. But I understand that when the movie is made, it's probably going to be geared towards the Asian market, and understandably so. While Sony may not make the best video game adaptation in Crossfire, it may become, and I'm going to say this right now, my friend, even with Sonic the Hedgehog coming this weekend, that in the long run, with China's market at that point in time, if it should come out next year, let's say, might even have a chance to become the biggest video game adaptation of all time. Yeah, I mean, I, I could I could see that. It's got the, the momentum. I, I'm feeling like, it, judging from what I'm hearing about it, it could be, you know, the next Lego movie, but in video games. Well, let's hope it gets translated, it exceeds my expectations, so that it can be something that all audiences all around the world can become more familiar with. And also, Crossfire X, when it hits the Xbox One, let's hope people really get into it and make it even more popular than it is today. Share us your thoughts on Crossfire. Are you excited for the game itself coming to Xbox One and a movie coming out sometime within the next couple of years? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Before we head on out, my friend, I talked a little bit earlier on the show with Jessica about CSI coming back in a limited series form. There were two more reboots announced officially this week. One we kind of knew about already, one that was kind of a little bit of a surprise. The Mighty Ducks which I think you have a great affinity for, and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which will see the return of Rick Moranis. What are your thoughts on The Mighty Ducks and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids for either Disney Plus or the theaters out there? Okay, so I have never had like the love for the Honey, I Shrunk series as a lot of people like i think rick moranis is funny love them in ghostbusters but like i i have seen the honey i shrunk the kids and i did the honey i shrunk the audience thing or honey i i blew up the baby or whatever that movie was called yes i have seen them but like i don't remember them well enough to like say hey yeah i'm stoked honey, up I blew up the baby. <laughs> isn't that what it's called when they made the baby big possibly i don't know that just sounds kind of so people. demonic my friend yeah i don't <laughs> I, just, I don't remember, but good for them, I guess. You know, there's an audience for it. I do know people who are excited for it. Mighty Ducks is more my thing, though. You know, I got a, 
I do have a love for that series of movies. What um, do you think about Emilio Estevez not being the star and only possibly being someone that's uh, either a co-star or making some guest appearances on the series? Well, from what I heard, he is like he's signed on to be a big part of the series. I don't know like what that entails, but my whole thing with this, I was talking to Denial about this, formerly a topic apocalypse. I was t- talking to him about it and I was saying that like, I really hope they don't make that into a a sitcom. You know, I don't want to see this thing that I have such fond memories of becoming like a a smart guy or, or, you know, how Hannah Montana like style filming. Like, I don't want to see that happen. I don't want to have a live studio audience laughing at this. What makes the Mighty Ducks such a great show is that it is emotional. It does pack an emotional punch. You do feel for these kids. Yes, it has moments where it's funny, but like, it feels at its heart like a sports movie. And I would like to see that translated into these 30 minute episodes. I'd love that, but I just, I don't want to see it become just a comedy. If that makes sense. Well, it's looking more and more like it. Although it is confirmed that Emilio Estevez will be a part of the series. In fact, I am looking on the internet now. And in fact, people magazine have courtesy of Disney plus shown pictures of him already on the ice with some of the kids that are part of the upcoming show so it'll be interesting to see exactly where lauren graham and him take the series and i know it's going to be a part of disney plus and you and i have talked about how disney plus right now is starving for new content and i mentioned it with jessica boggs and i'm just saying it again here disney plus needs all the new content it, it can get in order to go ahead and secure more subscribers going forward And the other thing I want to talk about is Honey, I Shrunk the Kids with Rick Moranis, although his best performance was with Dave Thomas and Strange Brew. Check that one out if you can. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is something that I know goes back a long way. Honey, I blew up the baby. That still gets me. (laughs) But yeah, that's what it's called. Hold on. Let me look. uh, Well, while you're looking right there real quick, I'll ask you this question. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Real quick, your final thoughts on what may work for Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Should it become a series for Disney Plus or should it become a movie with maybe another one or two times more and that's it? No, I mean, I think a lot of the things that we found funny in the in or entertaining in the 90s, you can't do anymore. You know, you can't. It's just the, the audience is not there. The 90s is just full of films that they were hit or miss. And there was an audience for everything in the 90s. But today, you know, we look at the theater model. People aren't paying money to see the things that we would have wanted to see when we were younger um, oh, by the way it's honey i blew up the kid honey, and it is going to be a movie yeah 1992 yeah but yeah i think that this would probably work a lot better as a series it's just what are they going to do with it you know are we going to have an entire season of tiny people running around is it going to become some kind of like survivor drama like what is it exactly well it's going to be a movie that's pretty much uh been written so it, whether if it's successful enough and if it goes on Disney Plus and hit becomes a hit, I think, you know, like like I've said before, anything's possible when it comes to Disney, maybe elongating it to a series or at least another episode and something that they could probably continue on as a series. Although, honey, I blew up the baby. <laughs> yeah, that could be one right there for you. They blew up the kid already. Next may come the baby. I know it's all about context, right? all about context in this world we live in right now it's all about context so for josh peterson this is gerald glassford it's another beautiful day of paradise right here in the pcc multiverse we thank you for listening
and here's hoping you have yourself a great